What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Squad Up. I am your host, Eduardo, and this here is a podcast all about games, games of all kinds, and joining me on the squad today is my co-host, it's Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? Hey, Eduardo, how's it going? Living the dream. How are you? Uh, you know, it was a busy week. Lots of work-related things and lots of game-related things. So Ooh, We care about maybe half of those. We do. Yeah, well, joining us on the squad today is uh, a, a patron of ours, a compadre, if you will. It's Patrick. Patrick, how you doing, buddy? Hi, my name is Patrick. I'm addicted to Fortnite. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing this is the Hearthstone episode, right? Oh, great. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the squad. <laughs> Well, Patrick, uh, to allow you to be on the squad, we need to we need to break you in. We need to initiate you. So for that, we need your top five games of all time. Patrick, go. All right. So I've been playing games forever. I grew up with an Atari 2600 and uh, eventually got an NES, and I had pretty much all the consoles and always uh, had a PC that played games. Uh, so it took a lot of time to think of this list. Um, but here it is. This is what I came up with. Number five, uh, wait, I should do them like a ranked in order. I, I heard some people didn't, but is it okay if I do? You can do whatever you want. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, number five, I have Super Mario 64. Um, I fell in love with this game even before it came out. Toys R Us had a uh, display, a preview of the game, if you will. And uh, my mom used to drop me off at, after school every day, and I used to go there and play on this uh, preview display of Super Mario 64. Uh, sometimes I would go back and my file would be deleted, which is which was very depressing. Uh, but I got pretty far just on that Toys R Us. And by the time I got it, I was so excited to have it. Uh, it's kind of like the first open world game I ever played. Um, I still consider it open world. I don't know if you guys do. Um, and it's one of the few games that I've actually completed. Uh, I know Zach said he, I'm sorry, Peaches said he is a completionist. I, I'm really not, but I did get all 120 stars in Super Mario 64. And I do love that game. Peaches did get all 120 stars, but it was a grueling <laughs> process. I figured you did. Yeah, it, it was it was something. Um, okay, number four, I have Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, do either of you guys play Melee? Yeah. I played a lot of Melee. I actually played a lot of the N64 version, but when Melee came out, I think it improved upon that game in pretty much every possible way. Um, I haven't played a lot of fighting games in my life. I played a lot of Tekken 5, but Melee is probably the one I played the most of. Um, it's just it's just amazing. It's so competitive. It's still played competitively, and I, I just love it. Um, I haven't really enjoyed any other Smash Brothers game since then, um, but I'm going to buy a Switch for the new one in hopes that it is good. Um, so Super Smash Brothers Melee, number four. Who's your uh, character, though? Sheik. Ooh. Yeah, I play a lot. Of Sheik. How about you guys? Falco, no items, Final Destination. Ah, oh, that's the. I always wanted to play Goodness. no items, Final Destination, or Battlefield with my Gracious. friends, and they all want to play items, but I still wrecked them all. It was great. Um, I like uh, I like uh, uh, Meta Knight. That's not melee. Meta Knight's not a melee, dude. Oh, did you say melee? Oh, I yeah. Don't know. I haven't played melee in so long. I couldn't tell you. Where have you been, man? I don't know. I had a PlayStation. PS2, <laughs> man. I wasn't. I wasn't on that jam. Yeah, Melee is the best of the Smash Brothers, in my opinion. All right, number three, I have Rocket League. Um, grew up playing sports games, grew up playing NHL hockey. First one was NHL 94. Played every NHL up until NHL 2001. In NHL 2008, they came out with this thing where the right joystick completely controls your stick. 
so it kind of took away a lot of the RNG elements, I would say, in the NHL game. And they also came out with an online mode called EA Sports Hockey League. I don't know if any of you have ever played an NHL game. Does it have microtransactions? <laughs> Actually, it did, but they, oh were not, uh, they were not pay to win. So in the EA Sports Hockey League, you could play with up to five friends and make a team. And, and you'll see where I'm going with this. So on your team, you had uh, five, five skaters and a goalie, and you would play teams from all around the world. And at the end of the month, there was a playoff system. It was just amazing. It was like the closest you could get in a sports game to playing an actual like sport, I would say. Um, so where I'm going with this is Rocket League is kind of the best sports game ever made. Everything you do in that game kind of is there's no RNG involved at all. Everything you do is is 100% skill. If you lose, it's because of something you did poorly. Um, the skill ceiling is extremely high, um, and I just love everything about it. I'm, I'm constantly learning new things in that game. I love watching it on Twitch. Uh, it's just one of the greatest games ever made. But Lucio Ball is better. And that's not true, but I do like Lucio Ball a lot. <laughs> do you, Eduardo, you play Rocket League, right? I have played it once, and it didn't go well. I got to get you guys into that game. It's so great. I'm too safe of a driver to play Rocket League. I drive like <laughs> a grandma. Got it. Eduardo can confirm. Yeah, I can confirm that he drives like a grandma. That's true. <laughs> okay, should I move on to number two? Go for it. I had trouble picking which one I wanted to be number two and which one I wanted to be number one. But before World of Warcraft, which I understand you guys love... Um, in 2001, there was a game that was announced, and that game was Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, it was released in 2003, and in my opinion, it's the best MMO that was ever made and ever will be made. Um, the, the premise is it's the greatest saga ever told, yours, and you basically just live your life in this Star Wars world. Um, there were 30 different professions when it came out, so and you could be anything from an uh, architect, a politician, a dancer, um, my first character was a doctor uh, slash musician. You didn't even have to engage in combat if you didn't want. I spent most of my days in the hospital. Then I went to the cantina and played music. Players would give you uh, money for the buffs you gave them for watching you play music or uh, for taking your doctor services. Everything was player-driven, the whole economy. You could buy houses from architects. You could live in politician-driven cities. Uh, it was just an incredible experience. And there was one uh, class missing uh, from this Star Wars universe that you could not be. And that was uh, Jedi. You could not be a Jedi. However, Sony kind of said from the beginning, there, there's a secret way you can become force sensitive and be a Jedi. And I told all my friends, I'm going to figure this out. It was kind of like a Ready Player One situation, like find the hidden Easter egg. So in the back of everyone's mind that played this game, it was how do I become a Jedi? Long story short, I was one of the first players to open up a Jedi character or a force sensitive character. I kind of became like a mini celebrity on my uh, server. Uh, I remember the first time I went out into a city and people were just talking about like, because they all got a server message saying a, a Jedi was unlocked. Like, who's the Jedi? And I started telling people, well, it's me. And no one believed me. And I just, I whipped out my lightsaber and the whole server kind of crowded around me. It was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in gaming. Of course, then I became like able to be targeted by bounty hunters and in, uh, Imperial forces. So they all came and just killed me. And uh, when you unlock Jedi, it was perm permadeath. So I had to keep creating new characters because I had trouble keeping myself a secret. Um, but the game itself was just amazing. Uh, when World of Warcraft came out the next year, a lot of players left it and they, they made some changes to the game that kind of was its downfall. So they, they started changing it. Uh, instead of 30 professions, there were only nine professions. The whole, the whole game changed completely and a lot of players left and it ended up um, 
ended up closing, I think, a few years after that. But I'll never forget the original Star Wars Galaxy. And uh, it, my best memories in high school, I would say, were spent in that game, <laughs> believe it or not. That, no, I, I believe it. Because it was, <laughs> no, not, not in a, like, a mean way, but it was the same with me with World of Warcraft. So like I get it. Right. Um, yeah. And it's so weird because like, I, I get what you mean by like celebrity. So I remember reading about this whole like Star Wars um, Galaxies thing and the whole Jedi thing and how it was so like elusive and how they basically nosedive their own game after World of Warcraft came out. And you kind of see that with most MMOs nowadays. Like MMOs in general, it has been a long time since there's there has been an MMO that does not follow the like World of Warcraft blueprint, right? So, like, that style of MMO is essentially almost the only MMO that has been created since World of Warcraft have come, has come out. And anyone that has tried to differ has failed. Honestly, those that have tried to do the same thing have also failed. Like, they're all... Everything right. fails has failed after World of Warcraft. Yeah, I just... There's nothing like this game the way it originally was. And one of the things I noticed when I went to World of Warcraft is the way you communicate with people. In Star Wars Galaxy, there were chat bubbles above your head. So it, it seemed very fluent in the way you communicate. It was very like, that person's talking to me. There's a chat bubble over his head, I can see it. And in World of Warcraft, there's, I remember, it's just in a text box. It kind of left, uh, lost me uh, with that a little bit. That, that sounds like something minor and dumb. But in Star Wars Galaxy, they used to just drive around in these vehicles you purchase from other players, live in our houses, like you would have these interior decorators come, that players that just uh, specialize in this kind of stuff, like they can flesh out your house. It was kind of like the Sims in Star Wars world. It was, it was just such a wild, surreal game. I loved everything about it. It had a good run, too. I just looked this up. It, it sir, Sorry, let me try that again. The servers that were hosting it didn't shut down until December 15th, 2011. So that, yeah. that was a good, you know, eight and a half years. Before I uh, went for my first college program in Disney, I, I sold my account for $400 and I purchased a Universal Studios annual pass. <laughs> so you that did, was my way That's insane. When I first unlocked Jedi, I had offers uh, of over $1,000 to purchase the accounts. Um, but I was said no. They would, I would get caught. <laughs> no, that's sad. I mean, even if you did get caught, you had the $1,000. It'd be yeah. the account who got banned, was- right? Yeah, a couple of people sold them for a couple thousand. I, I just never felt comfortable doing that. Although I am thinking of selling my Hearthstone account, uh, which kind of brings me here to my first favorite game of all time. And that game is not Hearthstone. Although I did think about putting it in my top five. No, man. Um, it it. <laughs> what, what's that? Uh, no, I was I was expecting it. I was waiting for Hearthstone. No, go no. ahead. I do love Hearthstone. Maybe next year that and Fortnite will be in there. But actually, my first favorite game of all time, maybe you guys don't ever know I've ever played this, it's Dance Dance Revolution. Oh. Yeah, so I figured that would be a little bit of a surprise. Um, I heard uh, Peaches talking about his love for Guitar Hero, which made me a little more comfortable with with telling you my favorite game. But uh, Dance Dance Revolution is this this game where it's very simple. There's four arrows. An arrow hits the top of the screen, and you hit that arrow. So I saw it in the arcade one day when I was younger. I think I was a freshman in high school. My friends and I started playing it. Uh, and it turns out it's actually a pretty cool game. The music is awesome, and uh, just the gameplay itself is very addicting. Um, it, and it's, very comp- it's also competitive. So I don't know if you've ever seen competitive DDR or if, you've even, if you ever even knew that was a thing. But um, Peaches, uh, you were saying that you went to some uh, 
competitions for Guitar Hero. Is that correct? First of all, I just want to say this has so far been the best moment on this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad to have brought that to you. Um, and yeah, I went to I went to a few Guitar Hero, Hero tournaments when I was in high school. Um, kind of dropped off when I went to college because I was just doing a lot of showing off. Gotcha. So when you think about Dance Dance Revolution, you probably don't think about how competitive it is and, and how crazy this game can be. But there there are um, songs in which it requires you to make eight to 10 steps per second. And that's per second, hitting the arrows that quickly. And each arrow that hits the top of the screen, there's about a one hundredth of a second that you, a timing window, that you would get a perfect score for that individual arrow. And some of the songs have over a thousand arrows. So when you, when you talk about competition, some of these games came down to millions of, I mean, sorry, not millions, like thousands of a second. Like who, who, who was that accurate to, to get a higher score? Um, and it, it was just the, the competitive scene was really great. Uh, I traveled uh, for a few tournaments to New York. I, I never won any big ones, but I, I won a few hundred dollars here and there on some local tournaments. Um, the game, I, I still sometimes play it. I haven't played in like two years, but they have a newer one down at, uh, what do you call it, uh, the uh, Dave & Buster's nearby my house. And I, I play it every now and then, but it, it's really not the same. Did you ever play like that weird knockoff version with the like diagonal arrows? Yeah, that's that's called Pump It Up. Um, never got too into that, but there was a game called In the Groove, which upped the difficulty of DDR by a lot. And now the newer versions of DDR are insanely difficult and the things that people can do in the game I can't keep up with, so that's why I kind of got out of the, the competitiveness of DDR. But uh, yeah, so that is my favorite game of all time. I could probably go on forever about it, um, and it, it's great. You should everyone listening to this. You should play DDR at least once in your life because it's fun, addicting, and the music's kind of cool. It's also the like diagonal a, a arrow thing is kind of like the knockoff MMORPGs that can't quite be. <laughs> north south east west arrows yeah world of warcraft in this case that's a good point yeah you guys were talking about games that kind of got you out there like uh got you connected with people is that correct yeah absolutely so ddr for me it, it really opened my life up to to a bunch of new people and friends that i that i met um, when i traveled to play in these tournaments um it helped me with like my confidence and being more outgoing. I remember when I played at the uh, Jersey boardwalk, there would be like crowds of over a hundred people watching people that play DDR. It was just insane. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my uh, favorite game list of all time. Is no, uh, I'm sure there's some sort of Jersey shore DDR joke here, but I can't think of it. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's like a fist pumping while you're DDRing. I know it. I'm gonna stop reaching for it. Did you? Were you one of those players that doesn't that that didn't move their arms when they played? Because I saw that a lot with like lots of DDR players where they're so focused on their legs that their arms like almost just kind of dangle by their sides. Yeah, I mean, there's a bar, and in most of the harder songs to get perfect scores or close to perfect scores, you you hold on to that bar. Um, there's also a whole other way of playing DDR that's known as freestyle, where you just kind of dance around and whoever, there's like a in competitive freestyle, there's a judges, whoever comes up with the best dance while still getting an average score wins. But, but competitive DDR, you, you pretty much, your goal is to move as little as possible. Uh, so even my feet movement would be very minimal, uh, even with how fast they could move. Is that why you got so swole to try to like bulk up for DDR? 
that no that that's actually the only uh gym i tell people that i go to the gym and, and lift weights but really i just play ddr all day and that's <laughs> exactly how i am fit that's the secret we've yeah. done it yeah i don't try to tell people i'm fit at all <laughs> yeah i fit a burger in my mouth uh well that was fantastic what a what a fun list what a fun list of games uh, super mario 64 i think almost everyone has played it and it's such a such an icon right now personally with me and i don't know how this is gonna fly with everyone but i didn't play mario 64 until well after the n64 era i did have a nintendo 64 but at my house for whatever reason we played donkey kong 64 I don't think that's a for whatever reason statement. That game's pretty good. It was it, it was that that was my Mario sixty four was Donkey Kong sixty four. Donkey Kong sixty four was a great game. I mean, it had the cool Donkey Kong rap at the beginning, and you got to play all the different Kongs. It was a lot of fun. Um, Do you remember the entire Donkey Kong rap? I don't, and I'm really sad that I don't. Well, Peaches. podcast is over. Wrap it up, boys. Yeah, we've done it. This is it. We, we had a good run. Um, we'll add it in in post. You could, yeah. you could maybe edit it in and just impress everyone. I think for the listeners, Eduardo, you need to have it memorized by the next podcast, and you need oh, to man. present your rap. That is a That's lot fair. of pressure. Uh, well, looks like I'm going to listen to the Donkey Kong rap on repeat for the next week. I'm sure my wife will love that. Uh Next up was Super Smash Melee. I already talked about. I already like embarrassed myself by saying the wrong Super Smash Brothers character, but I think we've all played the game at the very least. I think when I played Melee, I played Marth mostly. Now that I think about it, but that as makes soon more as, sense. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the like next version came out, I was all aboard the Meta Knight train. And I yeah, still... Meta Knight was was pretty good in in Brawl, as I understand it. I never got into competitive Brawl though. He yeah. was banned in several tournaments because yes. um, he was just too strong. He and um, and Ice Climbers. Ice Climbers would get banned in some tournaments after there was like an infinite grab technique where one of them would hit you with the hammer and the other one would grab you as if they were going to throw you. And then they'd go back and forth until you were dead. Once you got to a certain percentage, you couldn't escape it. It was just too good. Hmm. Now, Rocket League is interesting because I've always wanted to try Rocket League, but more than anything, I want to try Rocket League because there's a Switch version of Rocket League. And if there's one thing I love, it's games that are also on my Switch because I like being able to play things in my underwear in bed. Heck yeah. And there's probably not not any quality loss either going from PC to Switch. I mean, except for playing it in 144 frames per second, but other than that. Why can't you play any system in your underwear in bed uh because i don't have any other system in my room okay that makes sense right i got a tv in there but there's no like all my stuff is in like a tv room that we have um and then my computer's obviously at my desk i don't have like a laptop or anything at least not a i do have a laptop but it's not like a super powerful laptop that could run anything except for like minesweeper free cell microsoft solitaire collection yeah Basically, and Star Wars Galaxies, we've already kind of touched on a little bit, but it's such an such an interesting. It's so interesting that your your like path mirrors ours almost, but with a different MMO. Like it's the same yeah. sort of basic premise, but it's just a different MMO. Right, and it, honestly, this is kind of 
the game that made me a little bit salty towards Blizzard, and I never really grew up a Blizzard fan because I always felt like they ruined this game for me. <laughs> and look at you now. Yeah, I know. I've come yeah. to the dark side. Yeah. What? We brought another Blizzard fanboy on the show. Oh, but I only have. played WoW for four months and I got out. But it was vanilla, vanilla WoW, and as I understand, people wish that would come back, and it is coming back, correct? Yeah, yeah. They're doing like a, a classic server so people can play like the old, which I don't like. What I don't understand logistically how you even do that, and I'm sure we could talk about this for another whole segment. But like, wh- who chooses what patch it is? Do you just keep it at that patch? Do you take out any of the optimizations that you've put in? Like, how do you actually logistically do that? I'm sure they have enough people that have reached out and said that that's something they're interested in, where they could also have enough data to know. Okay, you want the vanilla WoW, but like, what things about it do you absolutely not want? And what things about it were cool because the vanilla wow was hard work dude it was like job number three yeah it's I not a joke it. when they re-release vanilla wow i hope that i can pick up on my level 39 rogue and just keep playing <laughs> nothing has ever happened <laughs> nothing has changed we create our own new leroy jenkins moment and then uh finally dance dance revolution which we covered on probably more than any others um but I think we've all, I mean, I don't want to say we've all played it, but uh, it's just such like an easy game to like pick up. I mean, it's like, that's like the Blizzard formula, but also just like the good game formula, really easy to pick up, but hard to master. So like, it's really easy to understand what Dance Sense Revolution's all about, right? So you have four directional um, like pads and you touch them when the arrow like links up and it's really really easy to understand that and understand the premise of the game but it's really difficult to master and as we know some of the the best games out there have that same premise yeah it it is exactly like you said easy to pick up hard to master very fun do you play on the the like foam pad or do you restrict yourself only to the arcade version when i first started i had a foam pad at home uh, and then we eventually bought a metal pad at home which was pretty expensive but it could hook up to the consoles but uh, now i I don't have any home versions because i live in an apartment so i wouldn't be able to play anyway um so just that neighbors yeah just the arcade but as i said i haven't played in a few years maybe a little less than two years actually come on patrick don't let your dreams be dreams yeah, well, one of my old friends who used to play with me, he said he, he's playing now, so I might get back into it because these new games, they have a way to link up uh, friend people across the planet, and it shows on the uh, the machine rankings versus your friends and all, so you could time to get back into it. How is that not the game that you're streaming, just at all times? That is a damn good question. I agree with, with what Eduardo just said. Yeah, I don't like, even know how that would work. I know you think we agree a lot, but I agree with that 120%. I don't even know how to stream if you're not at home using OBS, to be honest. I'd have to look into it. Well, people stream IRL all the time, right? Right. Um, you might have to have like a camera person with you, or you might end up having to get some sort of setup where you do it from home if you can never get that achieved, right? Uh, right. but I, people still watch people play guitar hero because they want to watch them do like ridiculous things and like yeah. if you find a game that you're good at that's usually the most successful way to stream right you you become a very attractive girl or you become really good at a game one of those two things usually the easiest paths uh, to streaming and since i don't think you're going to be an attractive girl anytime soon i think the best uh, path if you want to stream would be to get really good at something and if you're already decently good at ddr why not Challenge accepted. Yeah. But which challenge? I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope it's the second one. What I a mean, mystery. Honestly, 
I'd really like to see the first one. So <laughs> it's honestly a toss up. We should go to the next segment. That's next it. segment. All right. So we've, we've talked about this for a while, um, but the, 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 the show doesn't have like a really set in ground format. So what I, I we're going to try this new thing. We're going to talk about the games that we've been playing throughout the week. But what I would really like is for anyone who's listening to the show, send us an email at squad up podcast at gmail.com and tell us what you want to listen to. Cause if this isn't something you want to hear, you don't want to hear about what we're uh, playing this week. Let us know, or let us know what you do want to hear about. Or if you like it, say you really like it. And if you really like it, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Google play. Uh, but moving on, uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing this week. So let's start with our guest, Patrick. What have you been playing this week? I've been playing Fortnite, and uh, just recently since the expansion came out, Hearthstone. That's about it. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting that I, I've never found myself in such a time where I play almost exclusively omnipresent games. Like, I used to have, like, I would go from game to game like oh man the new mass effect is out time to play that and then i'd play that for a few weeks and then the next game would come out and i'd play that for a few weeks and so on and so forth but now it's like i have my set games that i play no matter what and then like i filter through a list of other games that i kind of play in between yeah in the same way i mean for a little bit i I was only playing uh rocket league and hearthstone that's it um but now fortnite has replaced rocket league for the time being it's almost like daily quests in World of Warcraft have had an impact on your daily life to where you think that you have to play 15 minutes of Heroes of the Storm every single day to get that achievement. Right. I'm like addicted to progression, right? And I mean, maybe that's just a, a tell of the climate of video games right now, but most games have a progression system in place for a reason because we as gamers love that carrot on a stick, right? We love being rewarded ever so slightly for the things that we're doing. So if we're doing something, we want it to have meaning, which it, it didn't used to be that way. You used to just play games for the for the fun of the game, right? But now it seems like you play the game because you want to achieve the thing and then move on to the next thing to achieve and then get that next reward and things like that. Oh, buddy, you are you are speaking my language as a completionist. I It's almost painful. Then uh, let us know, what have you been playing, Peaches? Oh, man, I've got a long list this week. I, I So I, I typically also have the same couple games that I play a little bit each week, too, as you know. But this week has been very different for me. Uh, Tuesday, some of you may have been at twitch.tv slash, slash Peaches with me. Thank you for coming. Uh, we finished Among the Sleep, uh, like a, an indie horror game. It was kind of weird. I... I, I can't say that I liked it. I can't say that I didn't like it. I'm not really sure how I felt about it, but it was a weird game. We finished that. Um, I'm almost halfway in Breath of the Wild with the Korok seeds. I'm at like 425 right now. And there's 900 total, spoiler. So we're getting close there. I'm just taking that slowly. Um, played a little bit of Braid. Braid is actually a pretty old game at this point, but I'm trying to think of things to speedrun, and Braid lends itself to speedrunning really well. Um, it's also a very pretty game, and it's got a very complex story, so it's just a fun game all around. I've been practicing that a little bit. And the last thing that I've been playing this week uh, is actually a board game, which I'm excited to talk about on the show because... We are going to start talking about board games one day, and I feel like I can write first in the comments section now. 
Boom. Um, so this weekend I played this game with some friends called Mountains of Madness. Uh, you guys heard of that? No. Have you guys heard of Quelf? I've heard of Quelf, yes. Yeah, I have not people... heard of either of those games, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Most people that have played Quelf um, kind of shudder when you say Quelf because they think about all the awful stuff they're going to have to do. <laughs> but it's like, so Mountains of Madness has the sort of crazy element of Quelf. Basically, you're working together as a team to try to climb this mountain successfully. And everybody has cards in their hand, which um, serve as like supplies. So you might have four, four weapons in your hand and six crates of first aid materials or something, etc. And all you have to do in the game is communicate with each other. You go up a, a space on the mountain. That space requires you as a team to come up with a certain amount of resources by talking about it. Uh, and then you have 30 seconds to put the correct amount of resources face down on the table. And after those 30 seconds are up, you flip them over and you see how you did. So that sounds really easy, except the gimmick of the game is the further up the mountain you go, the more mad everybody becomes. And the way that you become mad, you get these cards called madness cards, and they have a hidden communication hindrance on them that only you are allowed to look at. And... So you all have to try to communicate, but everybody has something that they have to do while they're communicating that makes it harder. Uh, for example, the very first one I got, I had to shout the whole time. So the whole conversation I was shouting. The next one I got after that, I had to whisper. So everybody had to stop what they were doing and pay really close attention to me to hear me. I got another one where I couldn't talk to anybody unless I was making contact with them. So I had to like put my hand on their shoulder and look into their eyes and talk to them. And if I wanted to talk to anybody else, I had to do that too. So I had to like get up and walk around the table and you only have 30 seconds to do this and everyone has their own thing. So it's like mass chaos, but it was fun. We didn't win. We had it's a good a, time. It sounds like a fun party game. Yeah. What was it's called mountains of madness. Hmm. Yeah. So it was a good time. We're going to try again this weekend and hopefully we'll win. But I, we were all playing it and thinking, this is like the kind of game that a corporation would make its employees play to get better at communicating with each other. That sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it was good. I also bought um, Final Fantasy 15 Windows Edition and uh, Witcher 3, both on Steam, and they are on sale right now. Hopefully by the time... This episode is online. They are still on sale so that anybody listening can capitalize on this because it is Witcher 3 and all of the downloadable content. Oh, and you know how I feel about Witcher 3. Oof. Oh, I do. Oof, I love that game. And if you are, if you just find yourself with like a ton of time to kill, Witcher 3, including all the DLC, would literally sink you hundreds and hundreds of hours. That game is gigantic which is why I have not started playing yet. I'm going to wait till after Zelda's finished. That's a that's a good choice there, Peaches. Uh, as I far love... as... No, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please. I love uh, Zelda. I forgot to mention that uh, Breath of the Wild almost made my top five as well. I heard you're playing Breath of the Wild, and it's just such a perfect game. Yeah, I can't actually say that I agree. Don't get me wrong. I acknowledge 
uh, how good of a game Breath of the Wild is, but it just it just wasn't the game for me, man. Like, uh, I I wanted I wanted it to be a different game than it was. I wanted that story driven large open world game, which to be fair, The Witcher Three ended up being for me. Um, but maybe it's just the kind of gamer that I am. I need I need more of a narrative in my games. I would. I would though go as far to say as as far as Zelda games go, it had a it had a pretty straightforward narrative. I ben, thought. I mean, you no, had to find all of the pieces of the story. You could have chosen not to do that. It did have a, a straightforward narrative. Maybe that was its, it was its problem. It was it had a very straightforward narrative. You do the thing and you. Yeah, take out the bad guy, and that's about as far as about as complex as the narrative goes, right? It's got its own like little side things and like little things that you can find, but for the most part, story is pretty straightforward. And I think the game does that intentionally, right? Because um, that's that's what they were going for. They wanted this game where you just were put in this world and you do with it what you will. And we've talked about this before, but I think we live in a climate where it's okay that Breath of the Wild wasn't the game for me. And it's okay that some people think it's the best game of all time because that's just, that's the vast scope that we have for video games right now. I will say it has a few, there are a few things in Breath of the Wild that I really, really dislike. Overall, I think it's a good game. I don't think it's a perfect game. I like, for example, why in the world i understand why rain is part of the weather patterns but why in the world are you going to make me wait until it stops raining to climb up the side of a cliff yeah that's so annoying i agree that's real life man (laughs) i can't climb cliffs in real life at all it doesn't matter if it's raining or not i am very weak Hmm. but like you're gonna make me just stand here because i can't even in most cases Normally, if you want to pass some time in Breath of the Wild, you make a little cozy campfire and you sit by it. But in most cases, I can't make a campfire because it's raining. So well, I have to wait. Did you try just building a staircase up the side of the mountain? I have not tried that yet, no. But I haven't con- collected enough wood for that. Mm. I mean, maybe there's something later in the game that lets me climb in the rain. But like, I don't. Th- that feature needs to go. I don't need it. Did you also, try I don't skeletal know monsters. Yeah. Skeletal monsters. What about them? I hate them. They're useless. I ignore them 95% of the time. <laughs> They're just an annoyance. Like, all I'm going to do if I decide to concentrate on you, if you're a skeletal monster, is I'm going to throw a bomb at you so you crumble. And then I'm going to hit you with a stick because I can hit you with literally any weapon and you'll die. That's right. just an annoyance. You're not difficult. You just get in the way. It's been a while since I played the game. I actually shy away from uh, single-player story-based games nowadays because I just like jumping into competitive multiplayer games and playing for an hour or two and then getting out because of how little free time I have. Uh, so I haven't really played any single-player games. I do want to play The Witcher 3 one day, but I haven't yet. Hey, it's on sale, man. It's a good price, too. <sighs> Eduardo, what have you been playing, man? You didn't say what you've been playing. I, uh, like Patrick, have also been playing a little bit of Fortnite, um, a little bit of a hearthstone because of the expansion, and I recently got Far Cry 5, and man, that's a weird game. Uh, it is the first Far Cry guy, uh, guy, first Far Cry game set in the United States of America. It is set in Montana. You are a federal marshal, and you are going to arrest this like religious cult leader, 
and you get there and things don't go as planned and you end up you end up stuck in this like county that is controlled by this religious cult and it is it's been quite the experience so far i haven't delved too deep into it um but it has been it's it's a weird game man it is uh the, the main character is very compelling um and i suggest those of you who are out there uh purchase or not purchase it but give give it a try if you if you like the far cry series and you like kind of open world shooter games that's the first game i've ever played from the far cry series but man is it is it weird don't drink the kool-aid eduardo yeah i don't i mean i can't i haven't decided if it's for me yet um, but it's definitely an, uh, an experience, and I'll, I'll play it through so the listeners can uh, see what it's like, and maybe they'll get a nice little review from me on the next episode after I've finished the game. I don't, I can't promise that I'll finish it by the next episode, but uh, when I do finish it, I'll give my, my own little review of the game and maybe let you know if you should go out and pick it up or not. But I want to be clear, I literally meant do not drink the Kool-Aid because you're in cultist territory. Oh, you mean like die? Yeah, you will die if you drink the Kool-Aid. I understand what you were. I pick up what you were putting down now. I picked up the Kool-Aid you were putting down. Thanks, and buddy. also no, put, no, it down. put it down. Right. <laughs> All right, folks, it's time to figure out what's going on in the world of gaming. <laughs> Waluigi time. So right now in the world of gaming, uh, Dauntless announces its open beta. So for those that don't know, Dauntless is uh, basically a Monster Hunter clone that's going free-to-play for the PC. Um, It's got a free-to-play model, but as of right now, it has been in closed beta. You could purchase a Founders Pack to play the game in closed beta and help test the game. But they're announcing their open beta, which is going to be May 24th, 2018. Um, and that's a few months before Monster Hunter World releases for the PC. So Monster Hunter World, um, sort of a sleeper hit, I would say, at least in the East. Uh, Monster Hunter in general has been a very popular game uh, over in the uh, in the in the East. Did I say East earlier? Either way, uh, Monster Hunter World has been a very popular game in the East. Um, but as far as the Western audience is concerned, it's been. I mean, there. I know I've got a couple of friends that played. It's 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 a it's got its its own small audience, but it definitely hasn't reached the heights of like mainstream audience. But uh, Monster Hunter World releases, and that game definitely took uh, the gaming world by storm. And now there's lots of people that probably fell off of the Destiny train and climbed right aboard the Monster Hunter train with Monster Hunter World. Um, and so Dauntless is sort of basically trying to capitalize on that. And they're announcing their open beta coming up soon. Do you guys think you're going to you're gonna dip your toe into, into little old Dauntless? I mean, it... It'll be free. I'll try it for sure. It's definitely a very pretty game. I was watching some videos about Dauntless because of the open beta announcement, and it's the visuals are just beautiful. Like the characters look a little cartoony, but they're not cartoony to the point that it's obnoxious. Um, and the monsters are giant and fearsome looking. It it looks like it could be fun. Um, but I I tried to get into Monster Hunter, I believe three, which everyone was on the Wii U. And that game was just a lot of work, man. It was a lot of work and I didn't want another job. What about you, Patrick? You you think you're gonna you're gonna play a little Dauntless or Monster Hunter? 
I have friends currently trying to get me to play Monster Hunter World, and I have refused so far. Um, but, you know, if this game is free, and uh, maybe I will try it out. Uh, I'm not sure. It's not really my thing, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I really want to try it out, but honestly, I barely play anything that's not on my PC anymore. So if I can't play it on my PC, it's going to take like a lot of work to get me to really try to play it. Um which is why I haven't tried Monster Hunter World, but I'll try Dauntless if it's free and it's on the PC. Um, now, to your point, Peaches, I, I think that Monster Hunter World has been touted as being a little bit more um, friendly as far as being introduced to the game. Like A lot of the systems have been simplified and sort of streamlined to reach that mainstream audience, whereas before it was definitely very JRPG-type restrictive. I know you don't have any problem with JRPGs, um, Final Fantasy boy over here, but it, it okay. definitely has been uh, it's definitely been streamlined. So maybe we'll try Monster Hunter World too when it releases in uh, in the fall this year. I think I don't know. I just when I think about games like that, the the whole draw. And I'm sorry if you're like a super fan of Monster Hunter and you're listening to this, and I'm getting this completely wrong. But from it's the loose. perspective of a guy who like tried the game and didn't immediately fall in love with it. To me, it felt like like I was playing, to go right back to Blizzard, I was playing World of Warcraft, but I was just fighting bosses. Like, you know, you go into an instance, and the instance has like four bosses in it, but you have to fight all the trash before you get to the bosses. Right. Like Monster Hunter is just bosses. And that sounds like, oh, cool, I don't have to deal with any of the boring trash pulls before. But... I don't know something about the way you fight them, how, how long it takes. It's, it's just, I don't necessarily have the patience for that. It's maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. I liked using whatever weapon was the musical one. I'm going to look it up. I don't remember what it's called. I'll just interrupt somebody talking with whatever the name of that weapon is. But if you've played monster hunter, you already know what I'm talking about. And I sound like a fool. I know they have some sort of like shotgun sword thing in the new Monster Hunter, which sounds really cool. And a uh, good friend of the show, he's been on before, Lewis, has been begging me to play Monster Hunter. Also, big shout out to Lewis. Uh, surprising everyone got married today, so Squad Up congratulates Lewis. But uh, he's been trying to get me to play Monster Hunter World uh, for quite some time now. And I just. <laughs> One, I just can't bring myself to play something that's not on my PC. I mean, I have this, like, beautiful PC for a reason, and if I can't crank the settings as high as possible and play it more than 30 frames per second, what's the point, right? Same. Yeah, I just I just don't see... I just don't see a point. I don't see a point to not... to playing anything that's not on my PC. Guys, um, I figured it out. Go for it. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate Edition. It wasn't 3. I was wrong. And the weapon is called the Hunting Horn. And the first one that you get, like the one of the very first ones you get, it's just like the basic one, it looks like a bagpipe with that's like attached to a really long stick. So think of like a great axe, but it's a musical instrument. Like it, it could literally be an axe as in a guitar. And you can attack with it, it like it's a slow, big weapon, like a great sword in Breath of the Wild or whatever. Right. Um, but you can also support your allies with it by playing 
certain musical notes on it. So you're like a support hybrid character if you use the hunting horn. See, that sounds interesting. I'd like to try some of that out, which is why I think Dauntless will be a good way to sort of test the waters um, with these games. Well, if they have a hunting horn or something similar. Yeah, so you you guys are losing me a little bit with the Monster Hunter talk, but what if, and uh, this is a big if, but bear with me, what if they added monsters to Fortnite, and while you played, you could collect <laughs> monsters? What if they just added everything from every other game to Fortnite? That way you don't have to play anything but Fortnite. That's what I envision the Oasis will be. <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite is actually just the beginning of the Oasis. You got it. Uh, yeah, like I said, if it comes on PC, I'll play it. I don't really play my PS4 anymore, but you know what I will play my, my PS4 for? The new God of War game. Now, the God of War, the first couple reviews are starting to trickle out, and man, they are impressive. The game is getting perfect scores. I think it's had it's up to 25 perfect scores from when I compiled these notes but i'm sure it's at more now uh, but 25 perfect scores from outlets like ign polygon and destructoid um the game basically reinvents the wheel on what a god of war game is i don't know if either of you played the original god of war games i played all three of them uh, absolutely they're fantastic games, but I, I can say by the end of the third one, the 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 well had started to kind of run dry. Hack and slash as a genre isn't really something that we see too much of anymore, and it started to kind of dwindle down. But uh, from what I've read, this game really reinvents the wheel and really sort of takes the, the nucleus of what a God of War game is and kind of changes that. It's almost like a, if God of War combined with The Last of Us and... and uh, you know, another third-person game. I know it has this really um, inventive camera thing where it has one camera that follows Kratos, and it doesn't change that camera for the entire game. So all the cutscenes, which I don't think they even really have cutscenes, they're just cinematics that happen throughout the game, are all from that same camera. I'm, I'm definitely excited for this. When you When you compare it to The Last of Us as well, that's a game that fights for a spot in my top 10 games of all time. And uh, that just excites me. I, I really liked their original trilogy. I know there were a couple knockoff games in there, but I find that the original trilogy of God of War kind of has the, the stereotypical trilogy sequence. The first one's really good. The second one's kind of a letdown, but it's still okay. And the third one finished strong, but it's still not quite as good as the first in my opinion, but like those games, those games, if you play them on the right difficulty, they can be very hard. Uh, but I think it's the kind of hard that's fair. You know what I mean? Like every time mm -hmm. you die when you're playing on a hard difficulty, for the most part, it's like, okay, I deserve that. Patrick, have you delved into the God of War games at all? I played, I want to say half of the uh, very first one. I remember climbing and jumping on a big monster and it told me to hit a certain button at a certain time and i would press that within a good timing window and i would yep. do something really cool does that sound like god of war yeah that's it that's exactly what god of war sounds like sweet yeah i did enjoy it but i think i got bored halfway through and i never played it again well that sounds like a patrick thing you do well maybe yeah. you're hey, talking about like shadow of the colossus perhaps i i didn't play that but it's on my uh playlist um i know it's been like 20 years though so i should probably play it 
they like remastered it. I mean, we're not talking about God of War anymore, but they remastered that game not too long ago and like completely not just oh, yeah. remastered, but like remade the game from the ground up and re-released it for the PS4. So yeah, my uh, my my history with single player games again is pretty limited. If they uh, have been made within the last fifteen years, I am a big Kingdom Hearts fan. I know you you do enjoy Kingdom Hearts. I, I, I will play Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, well, if it does entice you at all, God of War is the most well-reviewed game on any platform since last year's uh, Super Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that actually does. I was I was reading some of the reviews the other day, um, and it is quite exciting, but I probably won't bring myself to buy it for $60. I'll see if I can get it in a couple of years, maybe play it then. So here's something I want to ask the listeners. So Peaches and I have discussed what we want to do with the the show moving forward. And part of it is playing current games. Now, Peaches and I are not uh, current game playing gamers. We are both very budget conscious gamers and we uh, wait for games to go on sale and play them then. So what I want to ask the listeners and go once again, send us an email at squaduppodcast at gmail.com um, is what you want to hear. Do you want to hear about new titles as they come out and hear our reviews of those new titles? Or would you like to hear about um, great games that are going on sale and would you like to hear our experiences with those great games that are going on uh, going on sale? So send us, uh, send us an email and let us know. We were thinking about if we had enough pull from the audience, if you will, if there was a game that you guys really wanted to get a good review of, that we would both go out of our way to purchase said game and play it as frantically as we can over a week or so, so we could give you a decent review of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been toying with a bunch of different ideas, but mostly we want to do what the listeners want to do. We've uh, we are blessed enough to have uh, a very sizable uh, listening audience for a couple guys having a podcast for their first go around um and so we want to hear what you guys uh would like to hear from the podcast so once again send your emails to squad podcast at gmail.com now patrick we brought you on yeah. here for a reason and unfortunately it is not Fortnite. oh i know it's a shame depressing. it really is but we did bring you on for some hearthstone talk now I didn't make a Hearthstone bumper, but I'm just going to play the Blizzard one again because it's cool. Okay. My arrow finds its mark. I bring the Mega Death. Cheers, love. The cavalry's here. Yeah, so that last Leroy Jenkins is technically the Hearthstone card sound, so it counts. I mean, isn't Hearthstone just Fortnite with cards, if you think about it? That's exactly. You're, you're building your deck, building to be the last player that is standing. Exactly. Yes. Wow, my mind just got blown. Yeah. It's right. amazing in it. Uh, so Hearthstone, um, we're, we're talking about it because the, the newest expansion just released, The Witchwood. Um, both Patrick and I have been playing it. Now, Peaches, you're not, you're not the, the biggest Hearthstone uh, aficionado, are you? No, I've, I've played it a few times here and there, mostly when you've convinced me to give it a try. I, you know, I really do enjoy 
card games that are Hearthstone-esque, um, but I, I typically don't spend a lot of time with them because for the most part, whether it's actual playing cards or virtual playing cards, a lot of time and usually money gets involved when you start getting gung-ho about collecting them. And knowing that I am a completionist, I try not to mix those two things. Well, you're not wrong. Patrick, what are your experiences with card games? Well, I grew up playing Magic the Gathering, like any uh, self-proclaimed nerd would back in high school. Uh, so I, I played a lot of Magic with my friends. And then I actually got into poker. Uh, do either of you play poker? I do not. Poker? I'm, yeah. I hardly know her. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I am a big poker fan. Um, I don't know if you know that about me, but I, I do play a lot of poker. I used to play a lot of po online poker back when it was legal in all the, uh, the states. Um, I travel to Tampa sometimes, and I play uh, one to no limit there. Um, and Hearthstone uh, has kind of the same uh, elements that I find enjoyable about poker um, within Hearthstone. So that, that's kind of why I find enjoyment about it. It kind of scratches that, that itch uh, that, I, that I like about poker. Yeah, uh, I'm a similar way. I grew up playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, I played that for quite some time. I was, I remember just not that long ago, honestly, maybe I would probably say like five years ago, I was all up in Yu-Gi-Oh, playing it every day. And um, uh, very similarly, similarly to you, Peaches, I was in about the cost of the game. The game was very expensive to play. Uh, same thing with Magic the Gathering. I played that for a little while. Once again, the game is just, those games are very expensive to play. And then a couple years ago, I ran into Hearthstone. Um, I'd always wanted to play it. I never tried it out. And I finally gave it a go. And it is still a card game, so it still has that, that, that price associated with it to an extent. Um, but it is definitely significantly cheaper than a physical card game. So... Um, um, if that deters you or, or changes your opinion at all, um, compared to a game like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh, Hearthstone is significantly cheaper than those games. I think decks in those games go for like hundreds of dollars, where in Hearthstone, you don't, it's not that much. Um, but Hearthstone as a game is really interesting. Uh, it was released in March 11, 2014. Um, it's based off of the Warcraft TTG, and many of the cards that are in Hearthstone are actually based off the cards from the classic set, at least, uh, are based off the cards from that TCG. Um, it makes Blizzard uh, as much as $40 million per month, which is kind of insane because when it was announced, people were kind of like what like blizzard you know blizzard this they've made world of warcraft and they've made you know all these crazy games and here they are coming up with their next big thing and they're like we're gonna make a card game and everybody just kind of stopped and scratched their heads but it is a behemoth and it is i would say the most successful uh collectible online card game of all time yeah it even spawned a movie <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that the the, the the card game spawned a movie, but yes, there was a Warcraft movie. Fortnite the movie? <laughs> Fortnite the movie. Isn't that called Ready Player One? Mm. We're getting mm. really weird again. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, as far as Hearthstone is concerned, Patrick, when did you start playing Hearthstone? I started playing uh, shortly after it was released. I was not a beta player, beta player um, but I played uh, as soon as it was released, right before the first um, expansion, or rather, uh, adventure came out, uh, Curse of Nexramus. Uh Yeah, I did not play during those times. I think I started right after 
Whispers of the Old Gods. So I think that was the third expansion. No, fourth expansion. I thought you were playing before that. Actually. I was not. I um, was not. Uh, I came into it right when Whispers of the Old Gods came out, and right when they started okay. the whole year, they started doing years. So that's two yeah. years ago now. Um, we've now okay. moved on to the Year of the Raven. Now, yeah, I, I remember last year when it rolled over from Year of the Kraken to Year of the Mammoth, and that was the most exciting time I have ever had in Hearthstone because three sets left the game. Several other cards left the game, and then a brand new set was introduced, so the meta was wide open. And how have your experiences been with the Witchwood so far, Patrick? Well, seeing a lot of the same decks, actually. I'm running into a lot of uh, the same Warlock decks, and uh, just the crazy fast uh, Paladin deck, unfortunately. And I don't know if that's because I'm already high-ranked at rank 5, and people are just kind of playing tried-and-true decks. I kind of wish I was at the legend rank or up higher near 20 just so I could see what people are experimenting with. Um, But so far, it feels like more of the same, but I haven't played that much yet. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't played as much as I'd like to. I've been working a lot, but I do want to take some time to just kind of sit down and play for a couple hours and really get to see what the meta's like. And this is the most exciting time, right? So you want to play as soon as possible during this time because the meta's going to change. It's going to shift and it's going to it's going to be figured out pretty soon. And you know, it always it always happens that way where there's going to be a deck, it's going to be the strongest deck and and we're going to have to be in that meta. So the most exciting thing to do is is play during this time where no one knows what the best thing is you can kind of play whatever you want right and that's the cool thing about hearthstone you don't really know if all the best decks are out there i think ben bro just made an article recently uh where he said that after the knights of the frozen throne expansion the the highest win rate deck wasn't discovered until three months after the expansion dropped so there's all i feel like there's always room to come up with a miracle deck that just counters the meta and wins a lot um but usually i fall back and wait for the people that uh just play all day to create decks for me and then i just take those cards and try to win now blizzard is known for their like mmos at least up until the time that that overwatch came out so blizzard is known for their their mmos and, and all these different things now, answer me, why do you think that it, that a game made by Blizzard, a studio known for um, its MMOs and its, you know, all the games that it's made so far, um, why do you think the reason that this game has been so successful? I, so I think the main reason is that its fan base carries it through. I mean, at least initially, right? Because you're a Blizzard fanboy. We make fun of you for that every single episode in True. some in some way Absolutely. and i think they probably saw a lot of success just having a fan base that they knew was going to stick by them no matter what game they put out and not only that that with the fan base behind them they took their game and they modeled it after several successful card games the first time i ever played hearthstone I was like, oh, this is like slightly altered Magic the Gathering. And if you already know that you like Magic the Gathering and you are in the Venn diagram where you're also a Blizzard fanboy, well, there you go. You fit the mold. And I think that a lot of people fit the mold. I agree with that and also disagree with it at the same time. Well, I agree that is the reason why the game kind of started off on the right foot. I don't think that's why the game is successful um, I think, I mean, and, and maybe I'm, I'm I'm wrong on this, but I think 
there is more to it than just that because the game is making so much money and is so successful. Patrick, what do you think? So, um, like Peter said, you have this established fan base, uh, and these card games by nature are already addicting. So the hardest part is getting people to play your card game. But because Blizzard already had a fan base, they already had millions of people that tried to play it. And these games, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with RNG, where even if you're not a great player, you still have a chance to win, whether it's Magic, Poker, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Because of the, you're, you're drawing a card, you never you never know really what's going to come up. And, and that allows poor players to win uh, sometimes, which can kind of get you hooked. Like, oh, I won a couple of games, so I'm going to keep playing. And uh, now I'm earning packs. So, so you have this large fan base already playing the game. They're going to get hooked, and they're going to keep playing. And I think that's why Hearthstone has been successful. Not to mention its incredible polish. Uh, everything about the game is just is amazing to me. You know, the, the sound, the animations. It's very just addicting, and it makes you want to keep playing. Yeah, I think it's... Um... It's got this quality about it that, that, that's sort of unrivaled. Like, I, you cannot tell me a single other card game that has the polish, or a single other online card game that has the polish that Hearthstone does, save for maybe Gwent. Um, and Gwent, while a fantastic game, does not have near the player base as Hearthstone, and that's because its, it's barrier to entry is so high, and that's another thing that I think Hearthstone has in its favor, is that it is a very low barrier to entry, like, uh, especially at the beginning. It's very easy to pick up Hearthstone, like, it's not a difficult game to understand. You have to get your opponent opponent's life to zero, um, and it's got that same Blizzard strategy of um, easy to pick up, difficult to master, right? Um, and so it definitely has that going for it as well. Um, now, as far as card games are concerned, I, I've i loved card games ever since you know I was a little kid. I played card games, and I'm still addicted to them to this day, but I, I don't have the time nor the money to physically buy packs of cards and put a deck together and put them in card sleeves and go to a card shop and do all these things. And Hearthstone lets me do that from the comfort of my own home, from my cell phone, when I'm laying in bed. Once, also, uh, can we get a Hearthstone Switch app? That'd be great. Um, but one, yeah, like uh, it lets me play it in all places. And I personally believe that this is the future of card games. I think very soon, in the next few years, we're going to see card games, except for the very big ones like Magic and maybe Yu-Gi-Oh, start to, start to die out and start to dwindle out. And we're going to see that you know, electric card games, electronic card games are going to sort of take over and be the card game of choice. Wow. I hold on a second. I have to collect myself. This is the first time I think on the show so far that I have just vastly disagreed with you. Ooh, yes. Perfect. I, I 100% disagree with this. So timeline wise, let's think about this. Magic the Gathering came out in 1993 People are still playing that at board game shops, collecting all the cards, buying them used from cases, the whole nine. Same thing with Pokemon trading card game. Not as many players still playing it, but that came out in 96 and it's still being played. And Yu-Gi-Oh! came out in 1999 and that is also still being played. All three of those games have electronic versions. And while those ones, some of them haven't lasted till now, I had a Pokemon trading card game on my Game Boy Color, and I it was the same thing. I didn't have to trade cards with anybody or buy them. I could collect them all in the game and play them that way, and nobody's playing Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color anymore. 
There's been several Yu-Gi-Oh card games that have been released. Those have mostly died out. Magic the Gathering goes strong, though. They release a new game like every year or so, and people still play that. Now, what I'll say is population-wise, right now, you're the absolute winner of that debate. I, Like I said earlier, we make fun of you a lot for being a Blizzard fanboy. And for the audience, just for this awareness, like Eduardo has every reason to be a Blizzard fanboy, but he's not just like getting giddy about Blizzard as a company when he says like Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm and those things are the juggernauts of that category. Like for example, before we started shooting this episode or recording this episode rather we don't shoot anything here um at around 6 15 eastern on twitch hearthstone had 140,000 viewers it was the second most popular on twitch today at 6 15 for comparison magic the gathering had 8,000 and change so as far as the popularity goes of hearthstone right now yeah it's the most popular but i don't think if you say the future of card games is electronic, I think that's been going on for a long time. And I don't think that Hearthstone necessarily takes the cake as far as electronic card games go when you're talking about the longevity of them. Because Magic has had several electronic card games and people still collect the cards. I'm going to fire back at you and also completely disagree with what you said. Uh, that's really interesting that we've disagreed because we haven't disagreed on anything, but this is great. Um, yeah, I can like a hundred percent disagree. And here's my reasoning. Hearthstone is the first good collectible electronic card game. It is the first one to do that well and to do that with the correct resources. It is fully online. You're having that same experience that you have at the card shop at, at your own home and you're having it in a fully polished client. It has been known that the Magic the Gathering online like electronic clients are all awful. They are non-intuitive, uh, they're difficult to understand, they have several phases and steps, and the game just doesn't flow from an online space because of the, the phase system and the counter system. Whereas Hearthstone, because of how polished it is and because it was made for the electronic space, works well. I think it's unfair to compare Pokemon, or not Pokemon, um, the Pokemon trading card game, I, I should say, because it wasn't online it was just on your phone or on your on your game boy and it wasn't it wasn't to the same scope so comparing a small game boy game that you played back in the early 2000s to hearthstone this game that has basically taken over the mobile space up until recently where fortnite mobile came out there you go patrick more fortnite um but basically until fortnite came out so uh, i don't I, I can't agree with that, like, at all. I think that the electronic card games are, are going to be the future, and maybe we'll just have to agree to let bygones be bygones and see where this thing goes, but I definitely think that um, electronic card games are where we're going to be. I mean, you and I talking about card games aren't the end-all, be-all of card games, but I, I do think that you might not be giving the Magic games credit as far as the interface goes. I will say, because I have played a little bit of Hearthstone, Hearthstone is absolutely more polished and more fun to watch and listen to than Magic. But I don't think Magic is a terrible experience as far as the online gameplay goes. I think the one thing that Hearthstone is kind of missing is the ability to be played as a tabletop game. You, you can't do that. Like, if I wanted to get away from screens 
which some people need that. Some people need to be able to disengage from screens, but they still want to play a game. I can't stop looking at a screen and play Hearthstone with you. I can with Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon if I, you know, still have those. Yeah, but you could say the same thing for like a video game, right? Like I could go and play with my action figures, but I don't. I play my video games and I think the that's part of the medium evolving. I think that Do the you medium have Witcher 3 action figures because <laughs> I'm specifically saying I can play the same game without looking at a screen. Sure, but I don't I don't think that people that play Magic the Gathering right now play Magic the Gathering, the card game, or the, the online card game. In fact, I don't think many people at all play the Magic the Online card game. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the sort of the trials and tribulations of that game, but Magic the Gathering Online as a game is sort of the laughing stock of uh, electronic card games. Uh, people, you know, the Hearthstone Reddit is always, you know, uses it as a joke. And they've recently come out with a new one, Magic the Gathering Arena, and it's an early beta, and it's a, a little bit more polished version, um, but it definitely doesn't translate as well to the electronic space, which is why I think it's so it's so difficult to compare the two. You didn't answer my question about having a Witcher 3 action figure. Uh, I would if I could. Okay, thank you for answering that question. I have an opinion on this. Yeah, go ahead, man. So I can't see a new physical card game coming out that will draw lots of people. And I, I also can't see any new players, that many more new play, players going into these physical card games that already exist. I think the main player base is there, and I think it's going to die out just because of how accessible these electronic card games are, like Hearthstone. Uh, in order to be successful at these games, you have to put in a lot of volume. You have to see your win rate over time. And that's so much easier to do online. I can play it from my phone. I can play it on the computer. You know, I don't have access. And a lot of people I would think in this world do not with how many hours we're working um, to just call on a bunch of friends and say, hey, let's, let's play Magic and test these decks against each other. I think that's why the electronic version will live on. And soon enough, the physical one will die out. But don't, don't you think, though, that maybe that relationship is slightly symbiotic? Like, even if I'm not the type of player that's going to jump into a physical, like, I'm not going to go out and buy new Magic the Gathering cards because it's, you know, pricey and I don't have anybody to physically play with right away. But, like, do you think maybe if I played Hearthstone for the first time and I was like, wow, card games are really cool, maybe then I'll go buy physical cards. Like, do you think they kind of help each other? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I think that's a possibility, but I, I don't see it. I, I don't see as many going that way than current Magic the Gathering players trying Hearthstone and saying, oh, this is so much easier. Let's just all play this instead. Right, like I think you can reach a wider audience, right? So you've got people people that play Magic the Gathering tend to be like very hardcore into, you know, that, that culture and very into, you know, like board games and card games and all these things. But people that play Hearthstone it could be from any walks of any walk of life, right? It's such an easy game to pick up that that's why there are so many people that play the game and it's so much more that than those that play physical um, card games. Without the generalization of a bunch of people, yeah. Right. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I just think it's it reaches a more casual audience than the hardcore card game um, constituents. Constituents, I should say. Um, now, Patrick brought up a really great point that uh, when I played card games uh, 
a lot. I played them very. I played Yu-Gi-Oh very competitively. I would go to tournaments all the time. You know, do all these different things. And I had a couple buddies of mine who we would play test all the time. And I would play test against those two decks because those are the decks that they played. Um, and I would play against them all the time and refine my deck and do it over and over and over again. And I would find that I would go to these tournaments. I would play against different decks and not be able to win because I had tailored my deck so much to playing against them that I was losing to basically everything that wasn't the decks they were playing. And I don't think I would ever run into that problem in Hearthstone. I mean, to continue the debate, though, you said earlier that usually with each expansion of Hearthstone, there ends up being a couple of decks that are the ones that are winning, and then you have to make counters to those decks. And I'm assuming when you go into a blind match against somebody, you don't know what they're going to pick, so you hope that you pick the right one. Does that sound right? Yeah, but uh, just, just having the correct decks... It doesn't mean you'll win. You also have to know how to play them, and that it sounds easier than it really is. Really, I mean, you have to play these decks hundreds to thousands of times to really understand how to play them perfectly. And I think that's a lot harder to do in the physical card games. I guess it is more money spent, if nothing else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And these problems that Hearthstone have that has that this like whole meta thing and the meta figuring itself out and there being a bunch of decks, this is not exclusive to Hearthstone. That is something that is in every card game, every single card game that is out right now, whether it be physical um, or or electronic. If you are one of these games where you're building a deck and you're playing against other people, it has that. It has that. These are the top decks. It has that um, sort of rock paper scissors type of thing. It has those different those different spokes. All these games have that same thing. the way they tackle them is different um and i think just going circling back to the very beginning i think hearthstone is just going to be that game that that kind of continues on and and sort of lives on that's not saying that any of these games are going to die but besides pokemon magic and Yu-Gi-Oh, the other card games don't basic basically don't exist right at least to the general public and even still i can tell you several more people that know about hearthstone than know anything about magic the gathering I mean, I used to play a Harry Potter trading card game, but that only lasted a couple of years. Yeah, and how's that game doing now? Yeah, you know, it's it got Avada Kedavra. <laughs> got him. Yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, now that we've basically ran that topic down to the ground and like ran it to the death. Um, as far as Hearthstone is concerned, Hearthstone is at the, the top of the ladder. It is the king of the electronic card games, and I say that with full confidence. You could not tell me another electronic card game that has the following or the longevity that Hearthstone has. Um, what will it take for another game to, to, to stand up? Where is the Fortnite to the PUBG that is Hearthstone? Patrick, what do you think? It's going to take, uh, it's going to need to be a, a strong IP, uh, such as Star Wars or Marvel. And I know I think there was a Star Wars trading card game. And it's going to need a, a good company behind it to make a uh, polished game that's going to draw lots of people in. Yeah, I, I agree. I know Valve is making a Dota card game. And I don't see that game going anywhere because to me, Dota looks like a butt, like a human butt. It just looks like a butt. Yeah, it, it, looks, awful. It, it is awful. Um, and I don't think that game is pretty at all. So they're going to make a card game out of it. It's not. I mean, because like you got you to admit, art is half of the, not half, but a part of the puzzle piece that is a card game, right? You're going in there because the, the art looks cool and, you know, you're, you're going in for that, that feel. Um, 
And I, man, for me, it's going to take a lot. It would take a lot from a company to, to move Hearthstone from where it is now. And if anything, Hearthstone is going to be its own downfall. Peaches, what do you think? I'm curious if you've ever seen a human butt. No, no, I don't think I have. Okay, that explains the Dota. <laughs> I, uh, I agree with Patrick. I'm back to agreeing. I think the only way that you're going to do something as successful as, as Blizzard did with Hearthstone is you're going to have to have an army of fanboys that is going to support that thing, no matter how good or awful it is. And at the end of the day, it will also have to be really, really successful. So yeah, maybe something like Star Wars, maybe something like Marvel. It has to be something that has a huge fan base because Blizzard may very well have the biggest concentrated fan base in gaming as far as what you would call a following. Well, and and it, it definitely has the most positive fan base, right? So, like, as far oh, yeah. as gaming is concerned right now, people are pretty negative towards game developers as a whole right now, right? Like... Any small slip-up any game-developing studio does, the pitchforks and the torches are there. Reddit is there to tear that studio down. People are not fans of game developers right now. And so I think the only company that really has any sort of following like that is Blizzard. I can't think of another company that, that has that. So to find something, to get an IP like that, you would have to go outside the gaming medium. So your answer to dethroning Hearthstone is basically that Blizzard has to make a second card game that's better than Hearthstone, and that's the only way. Well, I no, think it really? needs to be outside of video games. I think you need to make a card, like you said, it needs to be Marvel, it needs to be DC, and it needs to not be a known game studio. It needs to, The fan base can't be from gaming because there is no gaming fan base like the Blizzard fan base. Right now, I'm just envisioning an all-inclusive Disney uh, electronic trading card game with just all of the IPs that Disney owns. With expansions like, like Pixar expansion, Star Wars expansion, like all, all of these Hearts great things. Card game? What's that? Like a Kingdom Hearts card game? Like everything Disney owns in one awesome card game, and just everything is there. You can make a Star Wars theme deck, uh, a Marvel theme deck. Uh, Bobby Boy, if you're listening to this, make this happen. Come on. Will there be a Rapunzel bathroom card? There will now. So. Ooh, what if there's like a Disney like parks theme deck? Oh, this game yeah. sounds so awesome. Why are we not making this game right now? We should make it and present it. I, I mean, what are we doing? Please uh, edit over this part so no one steals our idea. Um, replace <laughs> it with talk of Fortnite. <laughs> Honestly, the only other company that I could see actually making something that successful that has a positive fan base right now probably is Fortnite. Um, Epic Games is, in general has a really good um, like community policy and they're uh, they're probably one of the only other companies besides Blizzard that has like a positive note to its name. Like you say the words like EA or Ubisoft and you, you get like a bad taste in your mouth right now. Right. Cause you're like, those companies are evil and they're, they're trying to take all my money. And it's interesting cause you would say the same thing for Activision, but Blizzard has partnered with Activision. Um, but Blizzard and probably Epic are the only two that I would say have that, like that, that nah, dog. rapport. N- Nintendo could do it. I bet Nintendo could do it. You know, you're right. Nintendo would probably be the only other ones that could. And that's the thing. But I don't think Nintendo would. And if they did, it would be something completely different, which is probably what it would take. 
It would have to be because Mario has his own sports franchise for every sport. It would have to be like the Mario trading card game. I would be all over a Mario card game for my Switch. I would play that so much. But it would have to be themed in such a way to where you're not like the theme of like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and, and Hearthstone is that you're like taking away opponents' life points. Yeah. yeah like synonym for life points. Insert right. synonym here. Like how would Nintendo make that more Nintendo? You call them victory points. Okay. That's easy. I mean, Nintendo, and, make it happen. There have been other, like Pokemon, you don't, you like, you like take down HP from the Pokemon, but you don't like win by like getting your opponent's life to zero. You win by getting all the treasure cards or whatever it is. I don't, honestly I haven't played in a couple of years, but I know well, you don't win by like getting your opponent's life total to zero. You make them faint. And then when they faint, you get like a treasure card. Right. And whoever collects the most, whatever treasure card limit you set, that's right. whoever gets that first wins. Right, and so they could they could implement a system like that. So you're right. I think the only other company that even stands a chance to do it is Nintendo. And honestly, I don't see Nintendo doing it anytime soon. Well, long live the king. Right, Hearthstone forever. So if Hearthstone's going to live forever, if Hearthstone is this game and it's going to take a lot to dethrone it, where do you see the game going in a few years? Like, what does Hearthstone look, uh, look like a few years in the future? Patrick, what do you think? I don't know. I just know I'll be playing, unfortunately. I'm never going to stop playing. It's just so fun and addicting. I, I don't see how they'll they'll change. I feel like they just power creep. So they, they come up with these cards that just kind of replace old cards, but you still want to get them anyway. I, I think that cycle will just keep going and going. Pretty much just the same as Magic the Gathering has. Do you think Hearthstone will ever start reprinting cards? Yeah, I thought about that. There's a, there's a lot of cards out there uh, that are no longer available in standard that I think should make a comeback. So uh, reprinting them, I don't know how that would work. If you would need to pull them again from a newer pack or if you could use the old one you had. Yeah. But I feel like they might do that at some point. Yeah, logistically, I don't know how they would do it. Maybe they would just use new art or something, but i do not 100% yeah. sure how they would do it if they did um, reprints. Um, but... Speaking of card ba- uh, card packs, card packs are essentially the original loot boxes, right? Like, loot boxes basically stem from the card pack. Um, so it's interesting to see all of this talk about loot boxes, but the card game market always seems to sort of be excluded from that conversation because that's just the way those things are. Peaches, what do you think? That that's something in real life too. Like it blows my mind when people get upset about loot boxes that have also played these card games growing up because you know when you were a kid you begged your mom or dad to buy you that that foil Yu-Gi-Oh nine card pack so you hopefully could get like a blue eyes white dragon or something. Like that's a loot box. That's an IRL loot box. Right, absolutely. And even even with like uh like loot crates and things like we love getting boxes of random stuff like that's just a thing in culture right now um and so it's interesting that this all came from card packs and from card games now what do you guys what would you consider to be your favorite hearthstone card now uh, it's kind of a, a loaded question because peaches i know you don't you don't play the game that much so i don't know if you even have an answer um but patrick what about you do you have a favorite hearthstone card there have been some great Hearthstone cards from uh, Grim Patron, Mad Scientist, uh, Patches the Pirate was awesome. I loved, I loved his ability. I thought it was the greatest thing. Yeah, I've Doctor Boom, who was in charge. 
Yeah, but my all-time favorite Hearthstone card has to be the first legendary I ever pulled, Lord Jaraxxus. <laughs> Jaraxxus. Oh it was fantastic. You play him, and he starts shouting at people, and then you get all these new emotes, and you can just yell at people. It was just hilarious, and I love playing it. And it's still in standard, so I am actually going to, tonight, make a deck revolving around Lord Jaraxxus. God, oh my goodness. Good for you, man. Uh, if you. I were to say what my favorite Hearthstone card is... Um, it would probably be Leroy Jenkins. I just love the idea of Leroy Jenkins. I love the fact that he is just kind of in your face, and that's basically all that he does, that he just kind of runs at your face as fast as possible. And maybe I'll go with you, and I'll just make some sort of face hunter Leroy Jenkins deck. Yeah, uh, back in my day, Leroy Jenkins cost four mana. Oh, Those man, are... I wish. I wish Leroy Jenkins. You know what? I don't wish because then he wouldn't work an Odd Hunter. Um, Peaches, <laughs> do you have a favorite Hearthstone card? I like Turtles is the only response I can think to this. You know, I, the, there I are honestly... Tortolans. You what? There are Tortolans. Oh, yeah, that's one of the base cards, I think. Yeah, I don't... I don't know any of the names of the cards when I was dabbling in Hearthstone. I, if you asked me what my favorite class was, I might come up with a better answer because I played a mage when we played World of Warcraft all the time, so I'll just say mage. But as far as the card goes, I have no idea. So you mage Exodia, every- the Forbidden One. There was an Exodia mage, actually. It's so interesting you said that. You, you like mage and you said Exodia because there was an Exodia mage for a while. There's still an Exodia Mage. I mean, maybe not with Ice Block, but it's, it could yeah, still it's not as good. But I mean, I totally said that on purpose, actually. Well, then let's go with that. Then, Patrick, what's your favorite Hearthstone class and why? Favorite Hearthstone class would have to be Priest. It was the underdog when the game first came out. Uh, you basically spend the whole game stealing other people's crap. Uh, so I, I do like me some Priest. I don't really like the current state of Priest, even though I play it a lot. But uh, OG Priest was amazing. Yeah, I love Priest, um, and by love, I mean I absolutely hate Priest, and I hate playing against them. Um, but my favorite class of all time is Warrior. I love the idea of Fatigue Warrior. I love the idea of Taunt Warrior. I like armor. I like armor gaining. I think the class is just a lot of fun. Uh, in card games that I've played, I've always loved the control locker types. I've played a lot of cube block recently because I just love controlling the board and sort of like long, thought-out games rather than like very quick aggressive games although the aggressive ones are the ones you tend to win more because it's a lot easier to make mistakes in the uh, control uh, matches but i just love that that sort of like controlly type of thing um but i think that's gonna do it for us this week here in squad up um patrick do you have any any things you want to plug in uh anything that you want to you want to say before we before we wrap up uh, I, I have nothing. I mean, as far as plugs go, I'm on Twitch, Patrick in VR. Um, made that name because I used to play on my virtual reality Vive on virtual on VR on Twitch rather. Um, but you don't really have to watch me there. I don't really care if people watch. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. We really, really appreciate it. We had such a this great time. Cool. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I, I, I do this anytime. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peaches, where can the folks find you, sir? Oh, I will not be as uh, as apathetic about it. Come to twitch.tv slash peaches, P-E-A-C-H-3-Z. Um, we're going to probably play something a lot scarier next Tuesday. I'm looking at a game 
that kind of looks like PT as far as how scary it is. So come, uh, come soil, your, soil your pants with me there. Uh, of course, Squad Up streams on Friday after we record these podcasts. So come join us on Fridays and Sunday, whatever the heck I feel like. We played some Jackbox last week and it was a lot of fun. Um, also, D underscore Peaches on Twitter. If you want to reach out to me there, you can do that. And uh, I update the stream schedule there as well. So come check me out. We have fun. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash abcdeduardo. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at abcdeduardo. And if you have any feedback, email the show at squaduppodcast at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, everyone. See ya. Thank you.